Cool. So we're going to be talking about prayer. Um, I am super excited to be here. It is so awesome to see old friends and new friends and everything. As Matt said, I pastor Haven House in Norfolk, which is pretty much like the sister group of IDH. And I've been coming and visiting you guys for many, many years. And members of my leadership team have taught here, but I have never taught here. Never. This is the first time that I have taught here. And that was... <laughs> and actually, I was praying about that earlier this afternoon. And the reason I haven't taught here in the six years or five years that I've been coming here is because I was supposed to teach tonight when Bretton Cox was leading worship. I believe that, that was very, very specific. Oh, yeah, girl. Um, and just, it's interesting because I am going to teach on prayer. Um, and this is a very condensed version of this teaching because um, I did this over five weeks um, at Haven and I was asked to condense it into one night. <laughs> so we're going to see what happens. Um, but just listening to worship and listening to like all of the words that were given during worship, God definitely gave me more to add. So we're just going to have a good time tonight. Um, so we're going to be talking about prayer or rather what an active prayer life looks like. We're going to talk about just different aspects of it, what it looks like. Um, we're going to talk about some lies of the enemy that he tells us about our prayer life and about our position in prayer, how we're supposed to pray, how we shouldn't pray, what our perspective should be. Um, we're going to try and cover as much of that as we can uh, through scripture. So everybody, pretty much everybody has some sort of Bible, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, cool, because we're going to do a lot of reading. Um, so... Everybody, everybody go to Hebrews 4.16 first. Josiah, when you have that, can you read that for me? Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, there we will receive His mercy, and we will find His grace to help us when we need it most. Awesome. So I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to give you guys the ending point of my teaching first. So that's it. That's the ending of my sermon right there. Is that verse? All right. That's it. So what? it's recording. Yes. So that's the end. So. We're gonna, this verse says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So many times when we have a need, or when we have a grocery list, or when we have something that we require, and we decide, I'm going to pray about that. Which too often times, I feel like the enemy tricks us into not praying about it. And later we deliberate in our heads, it's like something's going on. And it's like, man, I have this need. Man, I hope this works out. Man, I hope, I hope we get there. I hope I make it through this battle. I hope that God's provision comes through for me. Man, I hope, I hope, I hope. And then at some point in our week, at some point, it's like, man, that it's coming up, man. And I still don't have provision. Man, I'm still in pain. Man, I'm still, there's still this thing going on. And we're still deliberating, deliberating in our heads. And then at some point the thought comes and it's like, hey, maybe I should pray about it and see if that works. <laughs> Too many times does that happen. And usually when that happens, we get, there's this battle that goes on where 
we misuse the word humble. And so we come to the throne room and it's like this. It's like, Heavenly Father, I just, I, I don't know if you can do this. I really don't. But I am asking you on my knees humbly to just come through for me. God, please, I really, really hope you can do this because nothing else is working. So I'm trying this. And I know, like, I want you to look at my servant's heart and just co-air with me and just, look, you know, meet me halfway, God, because I'm humbling myself. And, like, you know, t- together we can just, just meet my need, Father. Let's just do it. Come on. Like, I've tried everything else, and now I'm going to try this. So hopefully this works. There are too many times where that is our, our approach to prayer. Um, and the first thing that I wanted to talk about is being humble. What humbleness actually means. Um, humbleness, by definition, means to reposition yourself so that God can do a greater work through you and in you. It does not mean that you go lower in status so that he goes higher in status. It does not mean that you beat yourself up to make yourself look beat up so that God looks better. It does not mean that you degrade yourself or give yourself a demotion so that God can give you a premotion. Come on. Come on. I can't. <laughs> I can try. Um, so the first thing that we need to clarify is that this scripture tells us to come boldly to the throne room. There are times to come to God and be humble in reverence. He is our Father and He deserves reverence. He deserves for, for us to come to that throne room in reverence. Absolutely. But we need to be very careful that we understand what that looks like. When Moses came before the burning bush and was in the presence of God... What did God tell him? He didn't tell him, man, you better get on your face right now because you're a worm and you're, you're a man and why, how should, why should you be in the presence? He said, remove your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. Amen. Yeah. Prepare yourself to be in my presence. There are too many times that the enemy attacks us and attacks who we are and attacks how we look at ourselves and uses the excuse of saying, you need to be humble when you come into the presence of God. And it gives the enemy a doorway to degrade us into a place where we're not supposed to be. That's not being humble. You can come before God and still be reverent, but still be a son and daughter of God. Because when you degrade yourself like that for the sake of being humble, you're taking away your, your part of your sonship as a son and daughter of God. You're, you're surrendering that to the enemy. If you want more on that, has anybody in here read the whole book of Colossians? Yes. Go home and read Colossians and pay special attention to chapter 3. Because it will blow, it will, everything that I'm saying about humbleness, I don't have time to go into all that, but everything I'm saying about humbleness, it will blow you away. It blew me away when I really started diving into what it says. Okay. So, that's the definition of being humble, right? So, it's not degrading. It's, we understand who we are, but we come in reverence. And that happens at certain times in our prayer life. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about what it means to come boldly. 
to the throne room. We're talking about what it means to come to God with a problem, understand who we are, understand our position, understand that God is good enough to do what He says He's going to do, and ask that of Him. Um, We are to come to His throne room boldly, not timidly, and not with a burden of dejection. It's not supposed to be something where it's like, let me quietly open the throne room, God. Let me, you know, are you sleeping? Can I, can I come into your, to your presence? You know, we just had an amazing worship time in the presence of God. And it was nothing but quiet. It was not quiet. It was, I almost grabbed for the wrong water. Um, it was very, very loud. <clears throat> and that's what boldness is. It is <clears throat> having an understanding that like, I want to talk to my dad. I want to talk to my father. So it's coming in. God, I'm here. God, I'm your son. God, I have this need in my life. And I need you to come through for me right now, Father God. And I just know that by your word that when, you, when I pray, you answer me. So I'm just calling forth on that provision into my life. And I'm asking you to meet me halfway, Father God, right now. It's not something that's like that we're down here and he, and he has to be up here. It's something where we can come in and ask him. Too many times we don't trust God to come through in our time of need. We give him a list and say, you better come through for me instead of believing that he will come through for you and declaring that into your need. Amen. An active prayer life looks like declaration. Nine times out of ten. Is it, is it okay to bring him a grocery list? Yeah, absolutely. It is. But at the same token, the grocery list isn't the only thing you should be. You should be able to look at your grocery list of problems and say, God has got this. And declare it over your grocery list rather than giving it to him and hoping he's going to do something about it. God, I have all of this. This is what the enemy's telling me. I have all of this. But your word says, you, I will never be begging bread. Your children will never be begging bread. And I want to have your life and have it more abundantly than what I'm having right now. And I declare that over my grocery list. When you come boldly to the throne room, it becomes a thing of instead of telling God about your problems, you start telling your problems about your God. And covering that with who He is. The throne room of grace is just that. Grace is the unmerited, unwavering favor of God in our lives. We already have this grace in our life. Jesus died for it. So we need to just start declaring it. Uh, um, I think Danny was talking and gave a word talking about how when Jesus died, we love to focus on the fact that he died for our sins. And, that, and he did, and, and that's awesome. And our sins are covered because of that. And I, I would never want to say anything to take away from that. But he did so much more on that cross than just dying for our sins. There is so much more that happened on that day than just our sins being covered. We became co-heirs in Christ. We became sons and daughters of God in that moment. We gained grace. We gained the favor of the creator of the universe in that moment. And the enemy loves nothing more than to take away that knowledge from us. Because we forget that when we, when, we need, when we need it the most. It's easy to be in here and to be like, yeah, I've got the grace of God. And yeah, you know, I have the unmerited favor. And I'm just, you know, I'm telling the enemy, you know, 
this is what's going on. And then when we come away from here, when you come away from IDH and you're going about your week and stuff and the enemy's hitting you and you have these circumstances and it's, it's harder out there to be able to say, you know what, I still have the grace of God. I still have His favor. His favor is still with me and it's going with me throughout that week. Too often we forget um, this in our time of need. Uh. <laughs> Fear and worry and our shopping lists are too often our reactions. Um, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. It's not in our DNA. It's not a part of, of you know, who you were created to be at all. And that's not a part of boldness either. Going to the throne room and being like, oh my gosh, you won't believe, God, this big scary thing is happening and I don't know what to do. And I'm just worried and I'm concerned. Worry and concern are other words for fear too. And I'm just worried about it and I just need you to know about it. He, he probably already knows. He's waiting for you to walk out of your spirit of fear and declare his power, love, and sound mind into it. So this is where we end up in the throne room, right? We are going boldly because that, that's the end of that's the end of the teaching, right? Is that we enter the throne room boldly and we're like, you know, here I am, Father. Let me declare this into my, you know, into my life, into my grocery list, into my everything else. Like this is where I want, we all want to be there, right? Into that place where it's like I'm declaring my God into my problems. So how do we get there? I'm glad you asked that. So <laughs> uh, we're gonna stay in Hebrews, but we're gonna we're gonna backtrack. What? Ronnie does that. What are you doing? Doing what? You guys are best friends and it's gross. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> um, I don't know people's names, actually, because there have been so many people here. So, what's your name? Daniel. Daniel, sweet. Can you grab uh, Hebrews three fourteen through 19? Uh, dude next to Daniel, what's your name? Who, what? Tristan. Tristan. Tristan, can you read can you read the Bible for me? Oh boy. The whole Bible? <laughs> 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 no. No. <laughs> um, can you grab Hebrews four, one through five? I'm gonna let you guys know when you're gonna read. Uh, Cameron, can you grab Hebrews four and you're gonna read six through ten? Corinne, can you grab Hebrews four and you're gonna read eleven through fifteen? Okay? And I'll let you guys know when, when you're going to read. And we're going to backtrack a little. I'll have more verses later for more people to read. Um, but we're, we're going to backtrack a little bit because Hebrews um, 4.16 is where we want to end up, right? We want to get to the throne room. And it's interesting because it gives us a roadmap on how we get there. Um, so, Daniel, can you read... Uh, Hebrews three fourteen through 19. Alright. For if we are faithful to the end, trust in God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Through 16, he said? Through 19. Oh, okay. And... Who it was? Who was it who rebelled against God? Even when they heard His voice, wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt, and who made God angry for forty years? Wasn't it the people 
who, uh, who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness, and to whom God was speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Awesome. The beginning of confidence is belief. Part of being bold is to be confident in who you are and to be confident in who God is. You can't be confident in yourself if you don't know who you are, first of all. But the first part of being, of having that boldness is to have confidence that you are allowed to do what you're doing. Does that make sense? Um, and the beginning of having confidence in who you are and who God is is to believe it, first and foremost. And it's, it's that simple. Um, and here we see uh, in 14 it says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And then down in 19 it says, So we see that they could not enter because of their unbelief. Belief in God is the beginning of confidence. Confidence in who you are and confidence in who He is. Um, if you doubt that, that shatters your confidence. There's a lot of people out there that have a problem with like doing things, going out and being okay with who they are and having that confidence in themselves. The root of that is not having confidence in who you are to begin with. Who you are is a, a child of God, Amen. first and foremost. It all goes back to Him. Um, when there is a lack of belief, there will be a lack of confidence. The Israelites ran and died for 40 years because they didn't have belief in God's protection and provision. We can learn so much from the Israelites, dang it. <laughs> but for real though, they had a promise from God, a promised land. And they saw God do amazing, wonderful things. To bring them through so much. To bring them through the wilderness. And then when it came time for them to enter boldly and claim that and declare that. And walk into what God had for them. It was fear and it was worry and it was unbelief that stopped them. All they had to do was literally walk into God's promise. And understand who they were and understand what God was doing throughout that season of wilderness. And they couldn't do it. Because they did not have the proper belief in who God was and what he was doing. God said go. They said there's giants. And left. <laughs> it's as simple as that. God doesn't care about the giants. He cares about who you are and he cares about what he wants to give you. And what he wants to give you is probably going to be sitting next to some giants. But he wants to see us. That's part of a relationship. He wants us to believe in Him as much as He believes in us. It's as simple as that. Unbelief is also the beginning of rebellion. Um, you are cutting out God and saying that you don't need Him. The rebellion is the death of confidence. If you do not have confidence in who God is, how can you... You can't even believe that He's going to do what He says. If you don't understand who He is and what He's asking you to do, then how can you believe a promise that He's made you? When you do that, you're telling God that he doesn't belong in a part of your life that he's asking of you. Does that make sense? You're cutting him out of the one part of your life that he probably needs to be in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, 
Tristan? Is that who I had next? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, can you read Hebrews 4, 1 through 5? Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely ordered today, let us fear in case any one of us may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. For indeed we have had the good news preached to us just as the Israelites also. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith by those who heard for the, we who believe um, is that is we that is we who personally trust and confidently rely on God enter that rest so has entered peace now because we have confidence in our salvation and sure his powers just as he has said as I swore in my wrath thou shalt not enter my rest although his works were completed from foundation of the word. For somewhere he has said this about the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from his works, and again, oh, I don't know, five. No, you're good. Good? Uh, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Uh, you did great. <laughs> Congrats. Um, so the first thing we need to be able to have is belief, and belief gives us confidence, right? We're following that so far? So confidence in Christ and in who we are is the beginning of what true rest is. Too many times we strive to have rest in circumstances when it's really not like the circumstances that we need to be worried about. When Jesus was in the storm, the storm didn't stop, but Jesus was asleep. Okay? If we're having a hard time in trouble, there are too many times when we get focused on asking God for the storm to stop when in reality we need to be able to position ourselves so that we can sleep in the storm because we're that confident in who we are and who He is. It's okay to rebuke storms. I'm not saying to not do that, absolutely. But nine times out of ten, we also need to be able to sleep in the storm and then wake up and rebuke it later because... God wants to teach us something through the storms, through circumstances. He brought the Israelites through the wilderness. He brought them through so many different battles into His promise. The, the hunger didn't stop. The wilderness didn't stop. The battles didn't stop. You know, but God brought them through all of that anyway. There, there are too many times, again, it's like it goes back to the list. We have to be able to tell our circumstances about who our God is. Instead of worrying about when the storm is going to stop, we need to be able to position ourselves to see God's promise within that storm. Because the storm you can sleep through is the storm you can rebuke. That's So confidence gives us that rest. It's not about making everything stop. It's about being able to rest so firmly in Him that it doesn't matter what happens around you. Go ahead. Sure. Can you give a better um, definition of the difference between rest and complacency as far as what the fruit of them basically are? Can you define complacency for me? Complacency within a circumstance meaning that you just kind of get apathetic about whatever's happening. And okay. Not really being bothered by like it. Feeling indifferent? Now? Yeah. Indifferent or just like not being insanely bothered by it. 
Complacency would be ignoring a problem. Having true rest is still being able to allow the problem to happen, but knowing that God has got your back in that thing. Mm. Does that make sense? Because there's, 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 so, so, so let me put it to you this way. If you're complacent, so like if you're having a consistent like bad day at work, let's say like work or school is just punching you in the face, right? And, and you continuously are just like, you know, okay, you know, God, you know, you're not even like God. You're, you're just ignoring the fact that work exists, okay? And you just take the hit and you 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 take the hit every day. That's complacency. But going to work every day and having work punch you in the face and being able to say, you know what? That's okay. Because God's still on his throne. I'm still a son of God. And I'm going to rest in his peace throughout my day and ask him for where I need to be within my day and ask him to give me the divine appointments I need to speak into other people's lives and ask him for his peace in this moment. And I'm going to worship him in this moment. And I'm going to position myself with him in this moment throughout the rest of my day until I reach the end of my day. And I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow. That's the difference between rest and complacency. Complacency is ignoring a problem. Rest is actually resting in him so that the problem doesn't affect you and you can overcome it. Amen? Okay. Yes, you can. Um, so I feel like to someone not looking too closely at the internal attitude, um, those two things are going to look the same. And that's why the followers of Jesus were so upset that he slept through the storm. Because they mm-hmm. thought he didn't care. Because mm-hmm. they weren't looking closely enough at what was going on inside of him when he was peaceful instead mm-hmm. of just... Mm-hmm. Sometimes we look too much for a drastic outward expression when what really matters is what our drastic inward expression is. It's about a heart motive. Where is my heart? Because your heart can can be in in one place and you can look the same on the outside. You know, it's not about going to work and being like, you know, I'm going to tell everyone, I'm going to praise Jesus. Yeah, you know, let's go. Hey, you know, it's not about, you know. But, but it's about going to work and, you know, having that one customer, like, cuss you out or, you know, whatever. Or you drop something on your foot or whatever. You know, I work at Pep Boys, so I have multiple different things. So, um, you know, what, whatever, it, whatever it might be. And I'm just using work as an example. It can be life. It can be family. It can be friends. It can be, you know, anything where you feel attacked or you feel that storm or you feel that circumstance is just too much and you feel like, I can't do it. Well, if you feel like you can't do it, then somewhere along the line, you've lost your confidence and you're not positioning yourself where you need to be so that he can protect you through that circumstance. Does that make sense? Cool. So that's the beginning of rest. Um, When we have faith and confidence, uh, we can enter true rest. It's having Christ as our comfort instead of our comfort zone. I do not like comfort zones. If you believe in comfort zones in any way, shape, or form, then why does the Bible call Jesus our comforter? True. <laughs> do I need to go anywhere else with that? So, like... So, in Jesus, other words, nobody should have a prayer closet? No. Well... <laughs> You can go to your prayer closet to do warfare, but when you leave your prayer closet, Jesus comes with you. He doesn't stay in the closet. That's true. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep Jesus in the closet. Let him come out. <laughs> Hashtag. Anyway. 
But seriously though, there are too many times when we leave the presence of God and we leave Jesus in the presence of God. Or we leave the presence of God in the presence of God. Like, he's supposed to come with you. He's our comforter. Like, he's not supposed to just stay here. He's not supposed to just stay in your safe place. He's supposed to be your safe place. Always, wherever you go. It says that he'll, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, but it doesn't say anything about that we'll never leave nor forsake him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be about looking for the warm, fuzzy feeling either. It shouldn't be about looking for the warm, fuzzy feeling either. It really shouldn't. Like, the warm, fuzzy feeling is great. I love being in the presence of God. It is awesome. It is great. It is wonderful. Like, there are some days I just can't get enough of it, and it's awesome. But the moment that I am seeking God to get that feeling, I am being a prostitute to God. I do, it, I do it for the warm, fuzzy feeling, and that's all I do it for. I don't, I don't need anything else. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, we shouldn't be seeking after God to get that feeling. It should be a fact. It should be something that we declare over ourselves. It should be something that we declare to Him. You are with me. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. I, you are my comforter, so comfort my heart. And sometimes he knows better than we know. Yeah. Sometimes we ask for his comfort and we expect him to do something that wasn't even in his mind to do for us in the first place. Wow. We say, God, comfort me, and we're expecting like this warm, fuzzy feeling to like come over our heart. But instead, when we say, God, comfort me, he sends someone to have a conversation with me. And we're like, dang it, why is this person talking to me? I'm waiting for God to comfort me. <laughs> <laughs> and God's up there like, mm, come on. It's like that story where the guy, have you guys heard the story where it's like the guy on the roof and the hurricane's coming and he's like, God, save me. And the boat comes by and the helicopter comes by and then he gets up to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, well, I sent a boat and I sent a helicopter. (laughs) You went down with your house, man. It's like, it's, that's so like, like, you know, we do not need to anticipate what the will of God is. We need to seek him through scripture. We need to seek him through prayer so that we can like discern what his will is it is possible to discern what his will is but the minute we think what his will is that's the minute that we're going to be shorting ourselves and not realizing what he's actually doing yep cool all right so don't stay in a comfort zone let him be your comforter because and here's the thing too if you try to stay in a comfort zone if you have this place in your head or or physically if it's a place where you're just like this is my this is my comfort zone that is where you're also going to equate where your rest comes from and you're not going to be able to have that belief confidence and gain that true rest if you continue to hold on to your comfort zone you have to be able to walk out of your comfort zone still have that rest still have that confidence still have that belief and still have all of that as you walk out of it because there are too many times where we sit in our comfort zone and that's where we get our rest so we don't want to leave it and then when we go out into the world the world just smacks us in the face and we don't know what to do we ask God why aren't you here with me everywhere else and he's like because you're not asking me you're not bringing me you just want to keep me in the closet take me with you all right uh Cameron can you read Hebrews 14 6 through 10 please I'm sorry, 4, 6 through 10. Hebrews 14, all right. (laughs) Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, 
saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Is that the 15? 15! <laughs> oh wait, hold on, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at the wrong point in my notes. I apologize. I am so sorry. I'm looking at the wrong point in my notes. You can't read that No, no, you're good. You're good. He's homeschooled. You're good. It's okay. Okay, so... Hey, Joey, I'm homeschooled, man. That's... that's not I'm sorry, because I messed up, can you read that again? Oh. <laughs> Come on, go again. The whole thing? Yeah, just 6 through 10. Yes, please. Sorry. You read it in whatever version you have. Some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. First, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as, as God did from his. Awesome. So here we have these few scriptures. It talks about rest. And then we have these few verses that take a minute to clarify the importance of rest. How important it is. And, you know... Rest is something that we should always be striving to have. It's rest in, in the middle of circumstances, but it's also rest in like the physical and spiritual sense too. Like God worked for seven days and then he rested. And it's a very important part of having rest out there in those circumstances. It's an important part of this whole process about having faith, having belief, having confidence, and, having, and walking and rest in those circumstances. You have to be able to have like actual rest yourself. Um, we are called to... Um, enter into this rest and to do it daily. It's something that we're called to do at, daily, at least within a cycle. And if we're not being able to do that, then we're not being, there's like almost no way for you to actually position yourself to understand what God is doing. If you're going and going 100% of the time, you're not going to be able to truly hear God's voice and have that time to like reposition yourself and collect yourself. That's what that prayer closet is for, Joey. Like, like on your day of rest, like get in that prayer closet and reposition yourself so that you can understand and hear God more. And rest physically, love on yourself, understand where he is and what he wants you to do, and seek his face. It's something that we are supposed to do day, daily. If you are in unbelief and disobedience, you cannot enter and have God's rest and peace manifest in your life. Um, that kind of goes back to the original point. Like you have to be able to believe and have confidence in who God is before you can enter into that rest. If you don't have that, you're not going to have true rest. If you just take a Sabbath just to have a nothing day, is that truly a day of rest? No, that's just a chance for you to be lazy one day of the week. But if you take that time and you say, 
I'm going to love on myself and do something for me, but then I'm also going to check in with God and make sure that him and I are on the same page. That's a Sabbath day. That's a day of rest. That's a day for you and him. And it's something that is, that is um, way too important, and too often do we forget that we're supposed to have that because life gets too busy. Busyness is just another word for drivenness. All right, Corinne, you ready? Yeah, it's uh, for uh, 12 through 15. 11 through 15. 11 through 15. Yep. Okay. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that uh, no one will fall through the falling the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no, is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to, eye, to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Awesome. It is a consistent practice to have belief, have faith, gain confidence, and enter His rest. It's something that we're supposed to do every day. And it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a big, huge to-do list when you say it like that. But when it's described here in Scripture... If we're truly seeking His face, it's something that happens naturally. It's like the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit's not a checklist. It's not something that you go around and it's like, all right, well, I got the, you know, all the fruit like checked off, and I got all the armor checked off, and I got all this going on, and you know, now I can go about my day. You know, no, that's not that's not living. That's not the way living for Christ works. It is you seek Him. You have a relationship with Him. And therefore these things. I love therefore. I love that word because, and we've seen it all throughout like these scriptures. Because if you hear a therefore, if you read a therefore in the Bible, go back and read everything that just happened. Because chances are you probably missed something. Because therefore means, because this happened, this is happening. So that's how I read the Bible. If I read therefore, it's like, wait, let me go back and see why there's a therefore. Because, But if we follow Christ, therefore we have belief. We have faith and confidence in who He is. Therefore, we have rest. Therefore, we have that boldness. Um, a good way to start is to use the word. What does it say about you? What does it say about Him? What does it say about your relationship? Um, faith in Him increases confidence so that you can rest in His promise and provision. Don't be like the Israelites and get all the way to the promised land and then not believe that he's going to do what he said he was going to do for you. If he says he's going to do something for you, he's going to do it, unless you screw it up. It's not going to be his fault. So then what happens when we have a need or we have a circumstance that, is, that seems too big for us, We go boldly to the throne room. Father, 
I have confidence in who I am. I have confidence in who you are. I want to rest in your peace in the middle of the circumstance. And I just declare over that bill that it is paid. I declare over that angry coworker peace over me. I declare over any and all things that are just coming against me, just your peace, your comfort, and your provision over what I have in front of me. You know better than I, so guide my steps. And I have this list of problems, Father, but I'm going to declare to my problems now that you are bigger than they are. In Jesus' name. And you do that with boldness. It's not something that you need to be down on the floor like, oh God, God, you know, don't look at me the wrong way. I don't want to die. It's, you know, Father, I know who I am and I know who you are. So in Jesus' name, I'm sitting in this position so that my problems can know who you are and who I am. I'm a son of the king. Um, I got uh, a couple more scriptures that we're just going to go through. Um, Matt, you want to read? Yeah. All right, can you grab Romans 8? And you're going to read 15 through 23. Um, Beth, right? Becky. Becky, I'm sorry. Can you get uh, James 1? You're going to read 5 through 8. James 1, 5 through 8. Uh, Jasmine? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> can you grab Philippians 4? And you're going to read 4 through 7. Ariel? Yeah. Can you grab 1 John 5, and you're going to read 14 through 15? Um, who else wants to read? I'll just ask the room. Who would like to read? John? Can you grab Mark 11, 24? Who else would like to read? Joey, can you grab John 16, 23? Who else would like to read? Would you grab Romans 8, 28? I got one more. Who wants to take the last one? Huh? Last one. Elijah, can you read? <laughs> can you grab John 14, 14? Cool. All right, go ahead, Matt. We're just going to read these verses. 15 through 23. Yeah, John 8, or Romans 8, 15 through 23. Yeah. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit... Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. It is part of our DNA to be adopted into the family of Christ. It is part of our DNA to be sons and daughters of Christ. It is part of who we are. And too many times do we pray against bondage when in reality, if we live a life where 
we have confidence in who Christ is and who we are, that is one of the best ways to set that example of breaking bondage that breaks bondage. Um, James 1, 5 through 8. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. At the beginning of that it says, God gives. Always. And then it addresses whether or not you have faith. It's not God's problem. If you ask God for something, He will give it. But if you don't have faith to believe that He's going to give you what you're asking for, guess what? You're probably not going to get it. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Worry about nothing, but bring everything before the Father. Don't leave anything out. That's one of the biggest mistakes we can make as followers of Christ, is to leave God, either leave God out of something in our life, or have Him be at the bottom of our to-do list, or have Him be at the bottom of our list of solutions. If He's at the bottom, He's in the wrong place. He needs to be the first. He needs to be the first thing that we go to. He needs to be the first person we ask. He needs to be the first person that we call for encouragement. That was Philippians, right? Mm-hmm. First John five fourteen through fifteen. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. Remember, I said that we need to be careful about guessing what God's will is, because if we don't know what His will is, and we get frustrated that the thing we want to happen is not happening. That's not his fault, that's our fault. That's what this verse is talking about. But it says, we have to be able to discern what his will is. If we can discern what his will is, which is possible, and if we ask what is within his will, then he will always answer. The overarching theme in all these scriptures is that God always, always, always answers. Always. Um, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John sixteen twenty three. Who had John sixteen twenty three? Was that Joey? Oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assured, assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Never blame bad things on God. He's always good. If your prayer is not getting answered, it's not because of God. It's because of something you're doing wrong. John 14.14 You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He will answer. Always. He's never not going to answer you when you ask him something. Now, I will say this, a lot because I know there are probably like 
but I've but I've never heard an answer from God. I've been praying for something for a long time. There are times when we need to be able to position ourselves to be able to hear Him, because sometimes we're not in the right place to be able to hear and receive what He's saying. There's a passage in Daniel that talks about um, a problem that the king had, so he asked Daniel to help him out with it. So Daniel started praying. And he prayed and fasted for a week. And then after a week, an angel showed up and tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm here. And Daniel was like, yo, dude, what's up? And the angel was like, I am sorry. For as soon as you prayed, I was sent out. But I was delayed by the prince of Persia. But I'm here now to answer your question. Sometimes there are other circumstances that are going on. But the thing about that story that I like the most is that Daniel never changed his position. He stayed in that position to receive from God regardless of whether or not he heard God. If you go out of that position and God answers you, you might not catch it. It's about staying in that position to hear his voice constantly. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to pray. Um, that is as much condensed as I could. There's a whole lot more. And so there's going to be, I'm going to try, I've been trying to get this actually recorded and out. And some of it is on YouTube, but we're trying to get it out on a podcast as well. So if you want to hear more of this teaching, it's actually a lot bigger than this. So this is just a little bit. But if you're interested in that, let me know and I'll make sure you get it. So I'm going to pray and then it's whatever is next. I don't know. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We just thank you for your presence. I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just continue to teach us to seek you in everything that we do. And to just help us continuously add you to be a part of every day that we have, Father God. To make you the focal point of our life. To make you the focal point of what we do. And and not just in the big things that, that matter, but also in the little things, Father God. Just... Show us different ways that we can include you so that you're just not forgotten in our lives, that we can truly live a life that is all about you, that is us pursuing you and having that relationship with you. I just bless everybody in this room tonight as we travel home, that everybody would get home safely, and that you would continue to be with us as we fellowship with each other and with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.